The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. You are probably aware that the Citizens' Assembly on Drug Use is underway, with uh, many issues being thrashed out in the discussions. We're going to be hearing from the Chair of the Assembly, Paul Reid, in just a few minutes. But first, we're going to take a look at some of the impacts of the illegal drug trade. Our reporter, Josh Crosby, has been looking into how children are getting dragged into crime and the changing tactics of drug intimidation. It can be young people who are still on scooter type of age, you know, and going around on their push bikes and who are still maybe even at primary school level. But it goes right up. You can have people who are 16, 17, 18 who are still being groomed and are still being brought into it. And it might just be taking it up a level as to what that is. I've heard of young people as young as eight or nine being used to ferry drugs around or be involved in kind of deliveries and stuff like that. I suppose because there's a lower risk of them being targeted by Garda or it's easier for them to conceal it and move it. From storing to collecting, dropping off and keeping a lookout, children are being used by gangs within their operations. As long as there is an appetite for drugs in the country and as long as the policies stay the same as it is currently today, there will be a want to bring young people in to be part of the distribution of drugs. When you have the distribution of drugs, you then end up with seizures and people with the inability to pay, and then that's when drug debt intimidation comes in. Ashling Golden is the Justice Programmes Manager at the Sullis Project. The charity works with up to 250 people from the ages of 5 up to 26. Ashling says poverty is being exploited to influence young people into crime. It can be very attractive to young people who are growing up maybe with issues of poverty or who have left school young or who have long-term unemployment in the home and money is short when you get the offer to just drop a package it might only be small or if you get the offer to just run something a little bit you can see why people get sucked into it there's whole communities who have been held ransom to the influence of the drug trade where if you grow up in the community that you're already nearly expected to be a part of it and that's a form of intimidation we have young people who actually just build up a debt through maybe recreational use and then find themselves struggling to pay We also have young people who are involved in the sale and then maybe have a drug seizure or there's a raid and the guard sees a certain amount or they lose it or they get robbed and that has to be paid. You know, when the the guardie sees drugs, okay, it might be celebrated in some sides, but there's a consequence for that and that young person then has to find a way to pay that back. We have one particular case that we've been dealing with here in the job where the young person died. He died by suicide, an absolutely tragic circumstance and the debt was passed straight on to his mother. Days after the funeral, the mother was having to repay the debt, so the debt certainly didn't die with him. While I was at the Sullis Project in the Liberties, I met with Paul Grace, who's the team leader with the RUA programme. This programme focuses particularly on young people who've been involved in offending and through the court system. Paul says that growing up, he would have been exposed to the drugs trade and understands the situations those he's working with are coming from. It's part of their normal everyday life. It's part of their world and their world can be very small when you grow up in a block of flats and you have large groups of people who are standing around selling drugs. That is normal. That is their normal and I suppose normal is relative. And did you grow up yourself as a teenager seeing it? Or? I did. I grew up in a block of flats in Summerhill and, and stuff like that. Criminality, violence, drug dealing and all that type of stuff was very normal for me. I'd see it going to school, I'd see it when I was home from school. And a lot of these young people will come from homes where the family members are struggling to pay bills and put food on the table. This lifestyle can be seen as a tool to avoid 
the poverty and you know the marginalization and disadvantage that they experience every day and you were saying you would have seen it going to school yourself how do you think that impacted your growing up like it was you mature younger than someone that mightn't see it Coming from a community like that, you're kind of living on high alert constantly. Your brain develops to, to kind of read social situations in that way. They have to learn how to protect themselves and keep themselves safe in a way that people in other communities maybe don't have to. A growing concern is that children are being groomed into what's described as county lines dealing, where they will travel to different areas with supply. With more families being dragged into drug debts, Paul says the tactics being used have changed when it comes to intimidation. Certain things were off limits back then and families were off limits so you wouldn't have seen a lot of drug related intimidation towards people who weren't directly involved so it was the person that owed the money and that's who you went after whereas that's not the case anymore we tend to look at drug related intimidation as this kind of very kind of one-dimensional issue and in reality like it's, it's a very complex issue like i've worked with young people who have been intimidators as a result of being intimidated so they would owe a drug debt and people would come to collect and the options given to them was to go and intimidate other people who owed money there's the cocoon where people will move into someone's home and use it then as a base to either sell from or cut up drugs or store drugs and we look at it and it's a very black and white issue and it's like it's a case of good and bad and it's like good people get intimidated and the bad people do the intimidating and I suppose there's there's many victims when it comes to drug related intimidation. With the Citizens Assembly on Drugs Use currently taking place and will run until the end of October, many say it's long overdue. If we go back 40 years, the Concerned Parents Against Drugs was set up to try and tackle drug use in their communities. I met with Ken, who lives in Dublin's south inner city. He says he was part of that movement and now believes legalisation needs to be considered. You can get anything you want around here, any drug. But even just where you're living, like you can see the queues coming in? Or yes, yeah. In the local flat complexes now, you can see all the people just walking into the complexes and getting the drugs from all over Dublin. And how intimidating can that be, we say, on the residents who aren't involved in drugs? Well, to be honest with you, it can be intimidating for some people, but not all. It's becoming normal now. Drug use around this area now is becoming as normal as Nightfellows Day. Is that, a, is that a worry then for the young children who are seeing it? Well, it's a, you know, it's a worry for the parents of the young children. Because it's so normal then, young children then sometimes slip into this. So basically they're giving the kids drugs to hold. They're robbing the drugs back on them. Then they're going looking to be reimbursed for the amount of money that the drugs cost. And then the, obviously the child can't pay it, so they have to go to the parents. And it's been around this area for the last 30 years, more since the 80s. And we've had numerous government agencies coming in. We've had ministers for drugs. It's as worse now as it's ever been. And personally, my opinion is that I think everything should be put on the table, including legalisation of everything. Because we've had communities battling against drugs. Government agencies came in, they were funded. They're costing millions. This area now has more hostels and drug treatment centres than any other area in, I think, the whole 32 counties. Everything should be put on the table, including full 
legalisation. That's my opinion. I wouldn't be pro-drugs, I'd be anti-drugs. To hear from an academic who has researched a wide variety of drug-related intimidation and practices around the world, I spoke with Dr Johnny Connolly, who's based at the Centre for Crime, Justice and Victim Studies at the School of Law at UL. Dr Connolly says there's no simple response, but wants to see more support for the most vulnerable. In terms of the Citizens' Assembly and the approach it might take, it should support what has been tried at a very, very local level. Because the drugs trade doesn't impact in a sort of a, a generalised way. One of the first things that you try and do is to ensure that whatever supports are made available are focused in that way, that they are supporting communities dealing at the front line. I think they need to support approaches that are taking a holistic approach and an integrated approach. But there is also, of course, the elephant in the room. Um, and that's talking about the regulation and decriminalization of simple possession. Decriminalization is something that we need to seriously consider. Providing a criminal sanction and stigmatizing in that way is the opposite of what they need. But, you know, we have to be mindful that uh, drugs do cause harm. We have to be mindful that the so-called war on drugs causes immense uh, harm as well. So this is an opportunity to go back to the drawing board and think about um, our drug laws and what is it we are trying to achieve through them. So for those who are working with young people who are finding themselves caught up in the justice system, what do they believe should come out of the Citizens' Assembly? So Solace Project, who I work for, has taken the position that we support the decriminalisation of drugs. We do so on the basis that not every community is affected evenly by drugs. And when you're growing up in a disadvantaged community, your community suffers so much more by the impact that the illegal drugs trade has on the place where you live. Decriminalisation, it's a good start but it's, it's not all that's needed. I think we're looking at addressing symptoms of the actual issues and I think we need to kind of pair it back a bit and look at the marginalisation, look at the poverty in the working class communities and the lack of, I suppose, opportunities. We cannot have people being afraid to say, my house is being attacked, my mother is being attacked because they might get into trouble or you know, serious trouble for the consequences of being in possession of drugs in the first place. And this is why we're saying decriminalisation is the first step in it. We need a safety approach and a welfare approach to deal with all levels of the drugs problem, which is addiction, which is the trade and the wealth connected to it and the drug death intimidation elements. Ashton Golden and Paul Grace there from the Solace Project and we are joined uh, as I said earlier on by the Independent Chair of the Citizens Assembly on Drug Use Paul Reid um, that um, commission obviously looking at a whole series of issues pertaining to drugs whether that be decriminalisation whether it be models internationally like that in Portugal and Austria uh, as well as the impact of drugs and I suppose Paul that is a logical place to start because we've heard a lot there about the kind of behaviours and criminality and, and victims that that are created by the drug trade, whether that be intimidation, whether that be debts travelling intergenerationally. Does that kind of thing match what the Commission has been hearing? Good morning, Anton. Uh, very much so. I mean, I'd commend Joshua's report there. It actually relates very strongly to our last Assembly meeting in May. We had the full Assembly meeting looking at the lived experiences of individuals, of families, of communities, uh, to really get an understanding of the harm that is caused by drug use here in Ireland. And I think the point that comes across very strongly from Ashling there in that piece as well is while drugs are pervasive all across the country, we know that. The second fact is they really hurt marginalised communities more 
so communities who have higher social deprivation. I grew up in Finglas, uh, North Dublin, Finglas West, uh, reared my family there. Uh, but I've seen the impact of social deprivation and particularly the impact of drugs. Uh, but it's a whole set of suite of investment areas and areas. And some of what's been outlined in, in Josh's report there are, are behaviours that are particularly egregious. The notion that parents become liable for the deaths of their child because of drugs and the drug gangs, that's horrendous. Yeah, and again, at our last assembly meeting, we heard from families uh, about the impact. Uh, one of the issues is intimidation and, and drug deaths, um, but also the human aspect of dealing with addiction in a family. Um, it's quite pervasive, it's quite corrosive within a family. So we, what we are, our starting point was to look at the harm caused first of all, uh, and then to understand, we have we've a mandate, quite a strong mandate, looking at the harm caused, assess three areas which we can make things better. Firstly, in terms of legislation, looking at what recommendations we may make in legislation. Secondly, in terms of policy, what are the policy areas that need to change? And thirdly, in relation to the services. And the one point I'd make that's really quite strong in the last couple of days, the Health Research Board in Ireland uh, issued a report which sets out the very changing nature of drug use here in Ireland. And so the problem is rapidly shifting. And when a problem is rapidly shifting, the policy needs to change, your services need to change, uh, potentially your legislation needs to change to tackle it. So we need to see real strong urgency um, throughout this process, but also after this process about tackling this issue. That's and can I really ask, Paul, corrosive. if you look at the areas that you've outlined, legislation, policy and uh, the services, and if you listen to the kind of themes that are emerging in Josh's report, all of that has the sense that it be treated as an endemic societal problem that needs support rather than that needs a policing and enforcement model. Is that the... the theme that's coming out of the Assembly? Yeah, and for this weekend's Assembly coming up this weekend, we'll be looking at what is Ireland's and what are the international experience of a health-led approach. So rather than a criminalisation approach, uh, what's a health-led? In essence, Ireland has a health-led approach, uh, but it's not as mature as what we'll hear from Austria, for example. It's very different than the approach taken in Portugal, which they haven't legalised drug use in Portugal, but they have decriminalised it. And they've taken much more, uh, I guess, arms around support from all of the state agencies and voluntary services. Uh, so we will be looking at the international experience we'll be looking at. But ultimately, yes, you, you have to take a human and health-led approach. Not One of the experiences we did here, just very briefly from the last assembly, was people get into a vicious cycle. They've suffered trauma in their early, uh, early lives. Then they get into addiction to try to relieve that trauma. And then they get into a criminal system and they're locked into a criminal system for life, which causes harm too. Does that mean to some extent that the Assembly focusing on drugs as a specific is perhaps misguided, that the issue is a broader societal one rather than the drugs themselves? Well, it is a societal one. I mean, when you look at areas of high social deprivation, it's not just drugs that are the issue. There are many issues in terms of services needed in those areas. Um, but having said that, you know, we do really need to shine a torch on the drugs issue here in Ireland. We do need to come up with uh, very different solutions to our approach on it. It does need to escalate up the political agenda and society agenda. Uh, it, there's real harm caused. As chairman, you've obviously watched the discussions and you've watched the reaction from the, the 99 Assembly members. What do you think has shocked or surprised the Assembly from the evidence you've heard so far? Well, we've had two Assembly meetings today. First of all, looking at the state services, you know, what are our current services? Secondly, then looking at the harmful impact. I think a couple of things came, particularly from the last Assembly meeting. It was quite impactful. It was quite emotional for the people to hear the harm caused and the, the Assembly members expressed that. Uh, I think the issue of access to services was a real concern where people do get access to services. Uh, and the Assembly members had two side visits to Merchants Quay 
uh, who deal with drug addiction for homelessness, uh, and also to Kulmine, who provide great services for uh, men, but also for women and uh, young with young children as well. So I think the most impactful piece from that assembly was the sheer hurt and harm that is caused and how more impactful it is in those marginalised communities came out really, really strongly. But access to services probably, when people do get access, there's really good success rates. Are you seeing uh, trends emerging in the nature of the drugs that are problematic? Because we're using drugs as a catch-all, but is it cocaine that is the issue? Is it is it MDMA? What are the things that seem to be the substances that are the biggest issues currently? Yeah, and just about 48 hours ago, the Health Research Board issued their report and it did show now that cocaine is the most problematic drug here in Ireland, uh, followed by opioids, which would be heroin and thirdly by cannabis. Uh, so that's quite stark, you know, to show the car. And, and again, and but is that usage or is that harms? As the assembly has looked at it, where do you see the harm emanating from? Is it equal across those three? Is it in that order? Oh, it's across all illicit drug use. I mean, there's no doubt it's across all the drugs. It's you know, but you know, there is, there is what we also did look at in the last assembly meeting is there. There's a strong voice uh, also of people who feel they can use certain types of drugs uh, that doesn't cause harm in their view, uh, and people will differ on this. That's why in Josh's report, it is a complex issue. Uh, medics will say, some people might say, I can use cannabis and it doesn't cause harm. Some medics may say it causes psychosis uh, in early life or in later life. So it's a complex issue. Uh, well, this goes to whenever you discuss this, one, whenever the topic gets discussed, at some point somebody will bring up the 1970s in the UK where heroin addicts could register and get clean heroin. And as a, as a function of that, you had a much lower level of, of heroin related deaths and harm, according to some analysis. When you look at the harms of the drugs, how much of it is to do with the drug per se and how much of it is to do with the criminality and deaths that go hand in hand with it? Well, it's a combination. You see, when you talk about the harm caused by drugs, it is the human harm, it's the uh, psychological harm, it's physical harm. Uh, and it's also the criminal aspect of harm uh, and, and as we know, families, etc. So it's it's a deep breath, a vicious cycle of harm that is caused. Uh, so we will be looking, we have looked at that in the last assembly. I suppose where we are now and from this weekend, we're starting to look at solutions. You know, what now from the services perspective, from the policy perspective this weekend we'll be looking at, are some of the solutions to make uh, people's lives better? Uh, and ultimately, they will start to shape some of our recommendations, including legislation. There's an interesting dichotomy coming in in the texts uh, in relation to this. Um, one saying, and it again is representing many, the so-called war on drugs has been an expensive failure, decriminalise, regulate, healthcare, educate. And then another representing the other side, all these soft on crime sob stories ignore two basic truths. The first being these people all choose to partake in something illegal for their benefit. The second, actual innocent victims of drug crime like those violently robbed by users off their heads, especially victims who are OAPs, whose quality of life is forever changed. Is that second view, do you think, represented in the Assembly? Well, Certainly at the Assembly, we are hearing all views and diverse views in terms of drug usage here in Ireland from all statutory bodies, from communities, from families, and we have heard them. Uh, and I suppose what you've represented there is both ends of the continuum, what people hear. Um, but what we've also heard from people in addiction at the last Assembly meeting, nobody wants to be an addict. When people are in addiction, they don't want to be there. They want to be out of addiction. So it's an awful vicious cycle, as I described. Can I devil's advocate that? Because that is the end result of where they get it, get to. But presumably there are people who start off on that road with clear eyes and understanding of what they are doing and it is a personal choice. Well, use of drugs can be a personal choice and for some people it is. Um, but for other people, 
Uh, and there's many reasons why people will use drugs. And we've had some great presentations uh, on that. Um, but ultimately, you know, nobody sets out to cause themselves the harm that we heard last week. And particularly when you talk to people who are in recovery, uh, one day, they will set out, have set out very well for us, you know, but they understand the harm that they cause. They want to make their lives better. They want to make their families' lives better. Um, but ultimately, we have to, which has been described very well in the forum, we have to meet people where they're at when they are in addiction, uh, when they are on high use of drugs. We have to meet them and understand uh, how they got there and understand how we can get them out of it. You mentioned that this weekend you're going to look at the possible suite of solutions that are available and you, you referenced Portugal and the difference between legalisation and decriminalisation. I don't want you to preempt the discussions at the weekend, but can you give us the, the explanation of the difference in technicality between those two, the legalisation approach versus the decriminalisation? Yeah, and it's a, it's a good point because often these terms can get confused and mixed up, understandably, for people. Um, but ultimately, some administration, some countries, some parts of the United States have gone to legalise. So it's fully legal to uh, possess uh, and to use drugs. Uh, other countries like Portugal have decriminalised uh, small amounts for, for self-possession. Uh, you know, not it's not legal to distribute, uh, but if you are caught in small possessions, um, you're rooted through a health-led approach, uh, through the services uh, of the state to support you. Uh, so, you know, you're not criminalised, you're not immediately getting into a criminal system. Uh, so it's, it's quite a distinct difference between legalisation and criminalisation. Regulation then comes into place. You know, alcohol is regulated, where it can be sold, who it can be sold, at what times it can be sold. So there are different terms, there are different approaches. Um, but, but I'm equally anxious as chair of the Assembly that while that's a very important aspect of our deliberations and will be, uh, also the services. When you talk to people in the services and Ashling and Paul uh, running two good community and voluntary services there in your Josh's piece, when you talk to them, they're really interested, they're really concerned about the investment level in their services, the organisation of service, issues like uh, dual diagnosis, mental health and drugs use and people are going through a system. So, you know, why that And are you going to look at the, the manner in which that uh, administration and bureaucracy functions? Because obviously a lot of services are given by largely state supported, but charity and NGO and all the rest of it. Are you analysing whether or not that is the most efficient form of service delivery and whether it, whether it should be direct by HSE or whoever else? Or is that outside your remit? No, and specifically this weekend, that's exactly what we'll be doing. So we'll be hearing from statutory agencies like, for example, the HSE. We'll be hearing from uh, non-statutory agencies, voluntary organisations, uh, community-based organisations. And we'll be looking at uh, and trying to understand uh, wh what's working, uh, what's not working, uh, what can be scaled up. You know, there's good innovation. If you take, for example, with the HSE now at um, uh, concerts and festivals, uh, drug testing uh, to where people can anonymously drop in, drop in certain type of drugs, be uh, the drugs be tested and they're really does that work a grip. there's some great results from it they will publish results soon but some good results from it where they've identified quite harmful drugs in distribution uh, at the festivals uh, and it's a good alignment a good safe alignment between if you like two big agencies the, the HSE and Angarda Shirkana uh, um, one final one in, in relation to the assembly. Um, the text saying there's no law and order in this country anymore. The drug dealers and gangsters are running the country. We have an open door policy for criminals and terrorists. We welcome them all in. While that may be at the extreme end of the spectrum of the views represented, there are a lot of questions coming in around will you be looking at how well we interdict drugs coming into the country? Will you be looking at policing measures and all the rest of it? Is that going to be a focus? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, if we're looking at policy, uh, that that's part of it. And in our first assembly meeting, we had presentations from Angard Shea uh, and throughout specific 
um, assembly meeting in December, or sorry, September, we'll look at the whole criminal justice issue uh, and crime prevention. I feel it remiss uh, to let you go without obviously asking you at least one question about your previous role because you are retired chief executive of the HSE and there is now we are entering entering the phase of post factum analysis of the handling of COVID and of the pandemic. You have obviously had time to reflect on all of that in the ensuing months since you have uh, retired from that position. As you look at it now, what do we get right? What do we get wrong? Yeah, and I think it will be welcomed that there's a review of the state's approach to COVID. Uh, ultimately, from my perspective, I've said this very publicly, uh, throughout the process, I said to government and said publicly, we will get 70% of our decisions right. There's probably about 30% of our decisions that we would do differently again. Uh, and which are the prime in those two categories? Oh, look, I think any analysis when you look at the uh, our response, Ireland has done well in terms of any OECD measures, any international measures, our response to COVID, uh, the number of deaths, the number of harm caused through it, you know, strategically we've done quite well. However, some of the responses, if you think about it, you know, the impact and harm that caused to nursing homes, particularly in the early phases of COVID, you know, we do need to open our hearts and look at that, you know, what could be done differently, what what could be do, done better. So, As in the, the quality of life for the families and for the um, residents in the nursing homes or the, the actions we took to stop the spread through the nursing homes? I think the, ultimately the, the significant impact uh, that COVID had uh, in nursing homes, more vulnerable people, people in congregated settings, it really ripped through and, and that's, that's something that we really need to look at and open our hearts honestly and look what could we have done differently. But Do you, you know, think we could have prevented it? I think we'll have to look and see what can be. And there's no doubt we would look at things differently again in the future. But I think we should stand back and acknowledge. And the one thing I would hope from any of you is we don't emerge with a gotcha culture, you know, to try blame and say this. We don't quite well. We took decisions rapidly. And, and I'm quite proud how the country responded to everything we were asked them to do during COVID. Paul Reid, Chairman of the Citizens' Assembly on drug use and, of course, a retired CEO of the HSE. Thank you very much. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.